Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast extension of our show for ROI. This show is the 536th. Our noted guest today is Danielle Cybulski, author and podcaster who will be talking to us about her book, Chivalry and Courtesy, Medieval Manners for a Modern World. The history buffs joining us are Brett Menard and Ed Broders. So, Ed, could you start us off this time? Sure, John. Thanks. Um, Danielle, I've not read your book, and I'm not a medievalist. Um, but based on the title of the book, Medieval Modern Manners for a Modern World, can you give us a few specific examples? Yeah. So, what I was mainly trying to do by having medieval and modern in the same book, in the same title, is to draw a line between Middle Ages and today, and really point out that things, in a lot of ways, haven't changed. For example, this is why I started with the chapter on how to eat, because a lot of our table manners are exactly the same, and this is something unexpected, I think. So if we look at the table manners they have in the Middle Ages, you have a lot of things that are similar, like don't talk with your mouth too full, make sure that you don't scratch your beard too much at the table, make sure that your fingernails are trimmed and clean. I think this is really familiar to us. But then it was fun to explore other things that are not familiar. For example, things like don't ride your horse into the banquet hall because your horse is not going to like that too much. Um, but there are other things in the book that are similar. For example, just treating people well, raising your children as best you can. And if you're leading people, I do have a chapter on being a king. If you're leading people, really pay attention to their needs and do the best you can in that situation. So really what I'm trying to do is draw parallels between them and now because I think that people are very similar to the way they were back in the day with the technology and some cultural expectations have changed a bit. Okay. Uh, Brett? So, Danielle, one of the differences in society between uh, the Middle Ages and now is for most people in the Middle Ages, they could expect at some point in their life to be some type of servant, even among the nobility, how you learn to be a knight as you go and you are a page or a servant to someone uh, higher up on the food chain than you. So how do you see this idea that you have to, that everyone serves others at some point along the line, impacting their ideas about both service and leadership? I think that is a really good question. And I think it's at the heart of medieval society and not medieval society, especially a Christian society. So I think that they keep that idea of service really close to heart when they're talking about the ways in which you take care of people. And so the rules of chivalry really have to do with making sure that the other person is taken care of. So if we come back to the table manners, for example, you're usually sharing a plate with someone else. So the most generous chivalrous thing you can do is make sure that the plate is clean, that the cup is clean, that you're giving the best morsels off of the, the communal dish to your partner on the shared plate. So that idea of service, it's ingrained. And I think that when it comes to our modern society, we don't tend to think of it in terms of service as much as politeness, but when you peel back politeness, I think that service is still there. 
But when we are being kind to someone that is struggling to carry their groceries, for example, that is service, but we didn't do it as politeness. So I think it still, it still exists, but you're right. You don't tend to think of serving each other in the same way now, because when you have an, an overlord in the Middle Ages, you're literally serving them. Whereas when we have bosses, for example, we're thinking of ourselves as contributing instead of serving. And I think that is probably a cultural difference, especially when we, get, we have a more secular society today. And I think that that probably is a shift in the way that we perceive how we are serving others. But I think that the heart of it is still the same. Okay, Danielle, um, knowing that the knights um, under the feudal system, um, somebody, had to, somebody had to be there to take up knights for the king, and it was the aristocracy for a long time. Um, but were there limits to chivalry? Chivalry, and what I'm speaking about is if these, uh, if the if the lord of the land um, was obviously very well to do, um, did this caring for others extend to his tenants, who were, you know, basically serfs, or, you know? So, if, are nope. you saying? Are you asking if he was especially wealthy? Did that spill over? Well, I guess the question maybe is how generous were they? <laughs> well, they were meant to be very generous, and whether they were or not, I mean, that's individual, right, one person to another, but generosity is a huge part of chivalry, and you did want to do it in a way that was kind of reformative, so often, for example, at Christmas, you might see a lord or a king who's giving his servants, people who work in his household, new livery. And that's going to keep them warm, but it's also going to keep them looking good, and that reflects well on the Lord as well. So when you have a Lord that's generous, it looks good on him to pass the wealth around, to have um, good banquets, invite a lot of people, give a lot of gifts, make sure the people in his household look snappy. It all reflects very well on him. But you also have to remember that he's outnumbered by serve by serfs on his land, so it's also good to treat them well, because they, they far outnumber you as a lord. And beyond that, it is a very Christian value, and this is a very Christian society. You're meant to be kind and generous to the extent of your ability. So we do have that kind of built into society. So I think the more wealthy a lord was, the better off his people were in general, unless you just had a particularly nasty lord. Okay, Brett. One of the other big differences between the Middle Ages and today ha- is that in in the places we live, Canada and the United States, um, you tend not to have the same individuals fulfilling uh, both military and political leadership roles. How does mm-hmm. the fact that uh, your local political leader probably uh, is the local political leader because he can fight well rather than being a good administrator, how does that play out uh, in people's lives? <laughs> uh, I think it is a more volatile society overall. It's not to say that everybody is at war all the time. But I think there was more violence 
overall at the time. So it's good to have a lord that can protect you, that has some skill in warfare. And it also totally looks great because chivalry and this whole knightly class thing is based around a warrior aesthetic. So it's good if your lord is somebody who can fight really well. You do have a lot of administration happening in the Middle Ages by ecclesiastics, right, by clergy. And so those people might be doing a lot of their everyday kingdom stuff to keep it running. And you might not even see that. You might not even be paying much attention to those clerks who are doing a lot of the running for you. But it doesn't look as heroic for sure to have somebody who is great at administration and not great at fighting. And I think that today you can still see that. Sometimes often the people that we vote for are good at administration, I hope, and <laughs> good at politics. But then sometimes if you look across the world, the people who are in power, they often do have a bit of a tough side because people still, I think, want to feel as if they can be protected by their leaders. And I don't know what that says about human psychology, but I don't know how much we've changed <laughs> in the past. You definitely want to turn a warrior in charge also, but also because it looks great at the time and in that culture. Okay, I guess I have the last question. Um, Danielle, um, I just read a book, but uh, the book points out uh, the observation that um, power is all too often infrequently used as a force for good. So was chivalry something of an attempt to sort of balance the scales uh, between effectively a monopoly on power within a society um, and the sort of keeping it under control? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that chivalry, in terms of its ideals, the way that a knight is supposed to behave, is a way to control the behavior, as you say, to bring it in a little bit so that when they're out and fighting, maybe they'll make choices that are not horrific, maybe they'll make choices that are honorable, that are generous. But I think there is a part of it that has to do with control and tempering that that strong might that they have. And I was speaking with Jason Kingsley, who does the Modern History Channel on YouTube, and we were talking about chivalry not too long ago, and we were thinking through the fact that it may also be a construction to help those people who are being called up to fight this whole lives are revolving around fighting to find a way to make that acceptable in their own minds. Because we know that soldiers and humans, we don't like to kill each other a lot. We don't enjoy violence, at least most of us. And I think that's true for humanity in general across time. So I think, possibly, chivalry is also a way to make this work in their own minds. Right? This is something that I'm doing that is for the greater good and the way I perform my knighthood is for the greater good. And I'm going to do it in a way that is going to benefit people more than actually cause destruction. So I think it is definitely a societal construct that is meant to temper the power of knights, to temper their violent impulses that they've you know, been, been honing their entire lives. And I also wonder if it's a way for us to cope with and work with the fact that they have been trained their whole lives to kill other people. So I think it is a whole complex thing that works around power 
as you say, works around life and find a way to make it acceptable to the society and also directs it in a way that it's perhaps more constructive than it could be otherwise. Okay, we would like to thank our guest for this 536th show, Danielle Cybulski, author and podcaster who talked to us about her book, Chivalry and Courtesy, Medieval Manners for a Modern World. The history buffs for today's show were Brett Menard and yours truly, Ed Broders. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA Radio or on the web at tunein.com. If you're looking for older programs, you'll find them at soundcloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search window, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. And you can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.